Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works here for our flagship show. This is Tom Adams, and I can excitedly say that for the first time ever in BPW history, I am joined by Fergus. This is a dynamic duo we've never seen before. I'm really excited to have him on the episode and you know bounce ideas off of him. Um, I know that a lot of listeners to BPW and readers of BFW will have been experienced at least a little bit to hashtag English Tom, something that Chuck has pretty much dubbed as my nickname. I uh, did not know that Fergus is also, or not also, but I did not know Fergus was based in the UK. So uh, I think we're going to have some good back and forth today. So not as much of a time difference as myself and in or myself and schnitzel or any of those guys based in India, but Fergus, I think you're six hours ahead of me, if, if I recall correctly. How are you doing on this fine Sunday? I think it's the evening for you right now. Uh, it's actually five hours ahead. It's about 4.20 in the oh afternoon. Chuck is going to hear and, this and then uh, revoke my, my Englishness card once he hears yeah, that. Yeah, so you're a fraud, English Tom, but <laughs> yes. And I'm not even English. I'm Scottish. So let's make that clear first off because we don't like to be mixed up. But it's nice <laughs> to join you here today, Tom. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I take it you've been enjoying some of Wimbledon before this? Yes, of course. It's very, very British thing to do. Watch Wimbledon Sunday matches today. And even for someone who's not, if it's fake British, there's been some really exciting matches. And then, of course, you have all the American press just keeping an eye on what David Beckham is wearing in the stands. I mean, the man, the man's flawless when it comes to that. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. And Fergus, kind of in between last week's flagship episode and now, there's been a lot of developments with regards to Bayern Munich's backline. And I'm sure a lot of listeners and a lot of Bayern fans will already know what I'm talking about, segueing into this topic. So I thought we'd spend this episode talking about the backline, the big name transfer who we're linked with right now, who Fergus, if you recall, obviously I'm talking about Juventus's and uh, Netherlands, Matthias De Ligt. Sorry if there's any Dutch speakers out there, if I butchered his name or didn't get the pronunciation right, but Fergus, this is not the first time we've been linked with this player. It was a few seasons back. We were linked with a potential move for Matthias Delict. This was before we had Upa Meccano in the ranks. Obviously, we completed that move from RB Leipzig last summer. But Fergus, I just want to get your thoughts on this because the latest reports are suggesting, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we've opened up a 70 million euro offer, but Juventus definitely want that price to be raised to 80 million. And so obviously after add-ons, if we were to actually meet that bar and not have Juventus wiggle their price down a little bit, Delict would in fact become Bayern Munich's record transfer, you know, eclipsing Luca Hernandez's price and Lira Sané's price. Obviously Sané would have been more expensive if we didn't get him on a discount because of that knee injury. But Fergus, do you think, so first off, I want to say, will it be worth making him our record transfer? to get him or will you only accept this if that fee comes down just a little bit from Juventus's standpoint? Well, I think that 70 million, 80 million, 90 million, which are the type of fees which are being discussed and it should probably reach 80 or 90 million if our first offers of 70 are just being the start of negotiations. I think they're very high for someone like Delict, very high for a centre-back. But the thing I'm most worried about is when Lewandowski will eventually depart, which is what I would think will happen. Will we have money to spend on that striker, on that forward, if we lob 80 million, 90 million on the leg? And I also think it's quite interesting as 
it's often said that in 2019, the year we signed Lucas Hernandez for 80 million, it was between Lucas Hernandez and the late, and it might have been similar prices. But while at the time, maybe 70 or 80 million for the late was reasonable, he hasn't shone so brightly at Juventus. I'm not sure if he's going to be that dynamic player who will really enhance our Champions League chances. So I'm, I'm not quite sure about the 80 million or 90 million valuation. But if you take into account that he is 22, he will have about 10 years of playing experience. He's a leader. He's the leader we need in that back line with Davidala believing. I think that from this standpoint, perhaps, although it may seem like a really large fee, over time it will pay itself with his great performances and great leadership qualities in the future. So you would say 100% it is well worth it to make him our record record signing? Well, it's 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 hard to say. I would have said that it was well worth to spend 80 million on Lucas Nandez in the past, but with hindsight, I say it was too much money. He hasn't been that defensive leader. He hasn't been totally amazing to justify that price tag. So I guess only time will tell, but it's possible that it will be a good transfer. Yeah, and it is it is kind of difficult to equate. I mean, I will be the first to admit I really do not watch very much Serie A. Watching Juventus in the Champions League is one thing, but watching them week in and week out in Serie A is something entirely different. But I'm sure that we all remember that season where Ajax went to the Champions League semifinals. He was obviously, I believe, the captain of Ajax at the time, if I recall correctly. And I think a lot of people, when they think of Delict, they'll remember that season and his exploits at Ajax when he was a really exciting player. And I think only 20 or 21 at that point, which is pretty damn impressive if you're the captain of Ajax and you know, they upset, I believe, Real Madrid that season, almost pulled it off against Tottenham. Um, and I, was that even the same season? It was it the same season where we had them in the group stages and it was like two just ridiculous matches. Um, there's that clip of Masrawi pinging that like 60 yard yeah. pass at the Allianz Arena. Muller getting the red card for that like karate kick. Just an absolutely. And that that game was insane. I think it finished like three, three. Um, I think that was the season. Now, now I'm almost getting all of my English cards revoked because that might have even been the season that Liverpool went on to win it uh, against Tottenham in Madrid in 2019. And of course, I'll even be the first to admit that was not a very exciting final, but obviously I loved it for many, many reasons and thoroughly enjoyed myself. But we don't want to digress, digress too much. And I kind of have to agree with you. You know, hindsight is always 2020 with these types of transfers. And it's a double edged sword because we saw with Luca Hernandez, like we purchased him when he was still hurt. And it was under the impression, okay, once he gets back and works his way back from that knee injury, he's going to pay himself off. And I think that most Bayern fans would agree it really did take him a while to settle, even after he recovered from his injury. And I think that he's turned into a fantastic player. I, I, I think he's one of our best defenders as it is. But it really did take some time. Not very easy to adjust to having to play for different managers. I know that every new signing within the past couple of seasons has kind of had to deal with that. But as it stands, you know, Nagelsmann was purchased to be a long-term solution. I know that he had had kind of a rocky road in his first season in charge. And like even Oliver Kahn was just recently saying that he wasn't entirely pleased with Nagelsmann in his first season in charge. But there's a lot of adjustments that have to take place. And I think the same can be said with Delict, as I mentioned, a double-edged sword. If it doesn't work out right away, if we do go ahead and purchase him and we're midway through the Hinrunda and people are like, okay, like he hasn't really put in a performance to say that he's justifiably going to be the record signing and it was well worth it. 
So that's kind of the double-edged sword I'm thinking of, Fergus. There's a lot of people that will really start to doubt it very quickly. Patience is a virtue, but not necessarily an easy thing to come by at FC Hollywood, as I think that you can probably agree with me. But it is, I, I, I agree with you, that fee is very, very risky to me. And with Lewandowski, it's just concerning to me that Barcelona is just so unwilling to just we we've said how many times have we said one 50 million euro installment or no go and they just repeatedly submit something that's less i don't really understand how they i'm like bureau facts too like i didn't even realize people still use those like it's just very bizarre um like i don't even know what the hell is going to happen next but apparently they haven't even uh officially lodged the fourth bid but i agree with you so fergus i'll lodge this back to you let's say barcelona do cough up the money this season, Lewandowski comes, he does his preseason preparations, but he leaves midway through, let's say, July or just before uh, the DFL Super Cup, which is the end of July against uh, RB Leipzig. If we get uh, anywhere between 50 to 70 million euros for him, will you be more comfortable to say, OK, 80 or 90 million euro, fire it away for Delict, let's get him in? Yeah, well, I think I would be more comfortable with this. And as we've seen in in the past, it seemed that Bayern were actually really in the Erling Haaland race and they were willing to spend a lot of money on someone like Haaland, a 60 million fee transfer, but then a large wage packet also. And the Lick's interest shows that Bayern had this Haaland money and now that Haaland's not coming, that Bayern needs, has this money in the bank to spend. And I think that... If Lewandowski was to sell for 60 to 70 mil, that would be a lot of money and it would basically pay for the delict transfer in, in almost its entirety, maybe 20, 30 million extra. But my concern, as I said, is that I'm a big proponent of the 43-1 formation. I believe Bayern does need that natural number nine and that's the Bayern Munich DNA. And I'm very concerned that if Bayern are spending 90 million on delict, even though with Lewandowski's sale, it's not too much money. It will restrict our ability to buy a striker, and I'm very concerned. I don't think Mane will be able to play that centre-forward role, or I think it'll disrupt the team dynamics too much. So I think that perhaps someone like Serge Gnabry even could be another departure to help fund for a striker. Yeah, and we've heard so many suggestions that say, it is, we've seen it work, especially as a Liverpool fan, Jurgen Klopp, the 4-3-3 works wonders. You know, we didn't necessarily have an outright number nine for Mino and Jota are kind of like very interesting examples of players that can play that false nine center forward and really track back, do defensive work, uh, win second phase balls is what they, it was what Jurgen Klopp calls it, uh, deep into enemy territory. And that creates very dangerous situations uh, for Liverpool's opponents, how they score a lot of goals, you know, the Gagan pressing style of, of play, but I would say under Hansi Flick, it had it. We had our moments with that uh, at Bayern with Nagelsmann. He very much is a proponent of the four three three. But I do agree with you. So much of Bayern's DNA is centered around having that natural number nine and that natural center forward and a four three three with the personnel that we've got could, in theory, work. That buffer period would certainly take a while to get used to. We've seen how fluid Mane could be. I personally, as you were just speaking to as well, as a Liverpool fan, I could say he always played better off that left shoulder. And I always felt that um, the best attacking three formation when they were in their prime and in their peak was Jota through the middle, 
Mane on the left, Salah on the right. Um, when Salah is kind of going through his slump, Mane played often through the the center. And even in the Champions League final, I think he did that. And it just, I thought he was like ineffective with his back to uh, his back to goal. Real Madrid really bossed him uh, in the physicality department, trying to play long balls, balls over the top for Mane just like wasn't working. Um, not to say that it won't work at Bayern Munich, but having been used to playing with a striker for so many years, it's going to take a, a while to get used to. And I think so much of it depends on that stability in the back. Whereas uh, at Liverpool, Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Ibu Konate, they make that work based off of their positioning when the two wingbacks press forward in Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. And obviously at Bayern, it would be a combination of either Alfonso Davies or uh, we don't know if Masrawi is going to start on the right or perhaps Benjamin Pavard. But uh, Fergus, I know that you kind of want to add something. I was just going to ask, with if Nagelsmann does want to transition to that 4-3-3, would you trust Delict on side or alongside either? Uh, you'd have to assume it's either going to be Luca Hernandez or uh, Dio Upamakano in that system if we do transition. So I think that I would trust Delict in the back four. Um, I think it would probably be Delict on the right hand side with Hernandez at the left hand side and Upamakano as the bench centre back. But all this talk of a 4-3-3 as a big Thomas Muller fan, it's really making me sick, to be honest. I feel yeah. ill. Yeah, because he is kind of the odd man out with that, right? With the That's my main issue with the 4-3-3. I think it could work in theory. I think Bayern have the players to make it work. But in my opinion, Thomas Muller has to play for Bayern Munich. And if you're playing a formation which doesn't utilize Thomas Muller, you're not utilizing one of your best players, in my opinion, the Bayern Munich player of the year from last season. And I just think that that is really disappointing. There are shades of Niko Kovac's um, final season where he tried to transition to the 4-3-3, failed miserably when Muller wasn't in the side. And I just think that we could be seeing history repeating itself here with Bayern gearing towards a 4-3-3, Nagelsmann, the coach who knows and has often talked about, often played in his previous clubs, the 4-3-3 formation. I just think that a big talking point this season, just like Niko Kovac's last season, will be where is Muller playing? Will be will Muller be starting these key games? And um, can Muller be accommodated in the classic 4-3-3? I have to agree with you. And, you know, I, I personally think that Muller can play in one of those middle three roles if, he, if he's kind of given license to kind of, uh, like, let's say it's Kimmich and Goretzka as that double pivot, kind to kind of play in between those two guys and then the other front two. Um, or the other front three, sorry. I think that could really work. But Fergus, so just to kind of help visualize this, there's a lot of actually really great debate on this. And obviously we're speaking in a hypothetical because we, of course, have not yet signed Delict from Juventus. And that's, you know, we know, I, I think we should add the player himself because, right, there have been other clubs interested. I know Chelsea has been sniffing around, but the player himself and his camp have made it very clear that he only wants to join Bayern Munich which should be, uh, I think that's something I, we probably should have mentioned when we were discussing whether or not we feel it would be worth it to make him a record transfer signing. I think that definitely adds to it. He wants to play for Bayern Munich. He clearly has signed on to the idea of playing for Nagelsmann. Um, as a younger guy himself, I'm sure he might have really good relationship and really good rapport if you were to join with us with Nagelsmann being one of the youngest managers in the game itself. But Fergus, so just let's assume... I know there's been links of Pavard saying he wants to leave. He might not be happy and there's other clubs that are interested, but let's assume 
for the sake of the argument that he is a Bayern player next season. Let's say with Pavard there, um, and obviously we've lost Omar Richards to Nottingham Forest, which we'll get into a little bit later in this episode. But so Richards is gone. Let's say Pavard stays and Dilich joins this summer. If if it's a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, if Nagelsmann has any sense and we still have Lewandowski for this coming season, what would be your go-to strongest back four? It would have to be Alfonso Davies on the left back, of course. Oh, automatic, uh, automatic. Automatic. Hernandez, left centre back, Delict, right centre back. And I'm going to be controversial. Here, here. we go. Here we go. Say Joshua right Kimmich is the right back. Whoa. I was not expecting that. I was kind of like setting you up to say either Masrawi or Benjamin Pavard. Okay. But you think Kimmich at right back? Ruffle some feathers. Yeah, I've always been a strong proponent of Kimmich at right back. And so I think that if Bayern, this is going into more hypotheticals, but Bayern are also looking like players at, like Limer, And we've also signed Graven Birch. We have Sabitzer. We have Goretzka. I think the players are there to play a midfield without Kimmich. And I think Kimmich's best position still could be at the right wow. back position. Although I, I do think that. that I do think that Nagelsmann will play Mazuwari. Uh, right back but I think that if he's ever injured or if there ever comes a time where he needs dropped or he needs to rest I think Kimmich will and I think Kimmich should play that right back role for Bayern Munich wow instead of the six I was not expecting you to say that but to kind of piggyback off that last time would you say Maz Rowey starts over Benjamin Pavard assuming we still have the latter in the ranks I think so but I also Unlike some people, I'm still quite a fan of Pavard. I think that he off, unlike some people who say he doesn't offer that much going forward, for example, I think he has that in his locker. We saw in the treble, or not the treble, the 6 2 for winning season, that yeah. Pavard was great going forward. And we were all panicking when he was injured during those crucial run of Champions League games in Lisbon. Such was how good he had been that season. So I think on current form, probably. Um, that former Ajax player plays over him, but I think if he can get back to that level, he was really at a top class right back level, and I still think it's possible for him. Yeah, and even this season, I was worried. Remember, he got the uh, red co- red card against uh, Reuter Firth uh, towards the beginning stages of the season. He was coming off of that injury that he was carrying from the Euros. I was like dumbfounded and sort of shocked at how well Nigla Zula did at right back, um, especially as someone it's just such an unorthodox and I, I don't this is no indictment against him I think he's a fantastic defender but you know looks like he shouldn't be as quick but he's a very quick very muscular defender and you know is good on the ball rarely makes a poor decision with his distribution but obviously we've lost him to Borussia Dortmund we'll see how he does there I wish him nothing but the best but that's a whole another conversation you know a transfer that we probably could have avoided in hindsight if Bayern had done things a little bit differently the past couple of seasons, but that's neither here nor there. Water under the bridge at this point. So, yeah, I was pretty shocked that you said Kimmich at right back. I'm sure people in the comments will have their say on that instead of the six, but very interesting. And, you know, the the logic is pretty sound. And while Kimmich does prefer playing in the midfield, I don't think he'd have a problem. You know, if Nogsman said, hey, look, I need you here. He would do that. Obviously, we saw at the Euros when uh, Yahim Love said, I need you here. He, he did that. Um, and obviously, Germany uses some slightly different systems than Bayern Munich does. But so, Fergus, I want to pose this question too. 
so obviously, as I just mentioned, it's this is actually just very recent within the past uh, 48 hours, I'd say. So it is official. Omar Richards, after one season at Bayern Munich, after joining from Reading uh, in the championship, is off to newly promoted Nottingham Forest, who will obviously be in the Premier League for the first time in quite some time this season. So that's our backup left back. And Fergus, so unfortunately, this season, we did see Fonzie miss a lot of time with his bout of myocarditis. And that's a very serious thing. Uh, kind of resulted after he did have COVID himself, even though he was uh, one guy who didn't really have many symptoms. But you, you cannot mess around with that. That is a very serious issue. Thankfully, Bayern's physios and doctors were able to catch that and he was able to have the proper amount of recovery time and then get weaned back into the team for the latter stages of the season. But Omar Richards was kind of that backup left back. We saw a decent amount of him um, this season. Didn't necessarily cover himself in glory, but it was weird because he always seemed like he was someone who was very, you know, content to stay and, and be the backup to Davies. And he didn't really seem to have much problem with that. And this move kind of came out of nowhere uh, pretty fast, but I guess it makes sense. For him, obviously, he's probably going to be playing a little bit more at Nottingham Forest than he would at Bayern Munich. But Fergus now, and even before, I was just going to say, the season before last season, we had uh, Davies with that ankle problem where he missed a lot of time. And we can definitely see, I think yourself would probably agree, and a lot of Bayern fans would agree, when we don't have Davies on that left flank, it's definitely a void, and it's definitely uh, affects the way, uh, the fluidity of Bayern's attack. You don't have that insurance policy, you know, meet, 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 where <laughs> Davies comes flying back, uh, where you can leave a little bit of uh, leeway and space on that left side because his pace is just so damn blistering. Now we don't have a, a backup left back. So in the event, as history has shown, if Davies is out for a considerable stretch, what do you envision happening? Uh, we still have Josef Stanisic uh, in the ranks. Can Masrawi slot over to the left? I don't know. Can Bavard? Uh, slot over to the left. Obviously, I think a lot of people will say Luca Hernandez to the left and then slotting someone else uh, into the center back role. But Fergus, if that were to happen, what do you envision Nagelsmann's first choice being to kind of fill that hole at left back, maybe even going to a, a back three with uh, wing backs? Well, I think we will see that back three formation throughout the season. So I guess it could be a if, if we're predominantly playing a four back formation and someone like Davies gets injured, I guess we could see that happening but in that case it would be a winger like Coman because I don't think any of the other players like Hernandez, Stanisic, Missouri have that attacking quality that attacking flair to play as a wing bank but if we did play a four at the back formation I think that Hernandez would be that guy but I still think that then there would be a void in centre-back Hernandez is a right, great right. centre-back and he's really needed. And also, he's not that great at attacking. We've seen his shots. They always go into Rosehead, um, <laughs> to be honest. So I think that Bayern may even target another player like David Raum from Hoffenheim. Oh, or... I love him. I'm a massive yeah, Raum fan. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Raum, but I feel like he's too good to be the backup left-back after Fonzie. Oh, yeah. I would, And I would not blame him for not wanting to accept a backup's role. Sure. And then also maybe some some other left back. But in this case, that Bayern would target one of these players. Why didn't they do more to hold on to Omar Richards? He was always really 
good. He was well liked in the dressing room. He was very solid, great going forward, great at the back. And I actually think he had great performances this season. And with his English premium and his young age, I thought if he played more, he he might even be a 20 or 25 million player in the future. So I was actually quite disappointed to see Omar Richards go. We didn't see that much of him when he played. He always played well, but I don't think that he was given adequate chances by Nagelsmann, actually. Yeah, and like I feel like I wrote an article about him like not too long ago where he was uh, like learning German, loved life in Munich, and was pretty much saying that he understood his role and was just very honored to be sharing a dressing room with guys like Lewandowski, Thomas Müller, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, and was very much looking forward to progressing. And as I said this, I mean, it makes sense with him being English and having so much experience playing against Nottingham Forest in the championship um, and and having experience with Steve Cooper, I'm sure. But it it did kind of seem like within the last 72 hours, it just all of a sudden ramped up. And now all of a sudden it's official. He's a Nottingham Forest player. Um, And I agree. What was it like? uh, 10 million euro plus add-ons. Uh, and I agree, like he could have appreciated far more value at Bayern Munich. And then we kind of probably could have turned a little bit better on a profit. But, you know, uh, it, sometimes you can't control these things. If a player wants to leave, there's it's I think we've seen <laughs> that a player seems to ha- hold a lot of the power, uh, even at a club like Bayern Munich, where our front office is kind of like, hey, look at this signature on the contract that you've signed. Uh, you're going to honor it if we want you to honor it, unless a buying club breaks the bank to, uh, to get you. But anywho, so, so Fergus, I guess a, a good question would be, so let's assume uh, we get delict uh, Pavard is still there and we're just going to stick with this uh, flat back four. So from left to right, you would say if Davies was hurt, it would be Hernandez on that left-hand side. But those next three from left to right, I know you mentioned there'd be some center back issues, but who would you trust most uh, across the middle? And then obviously on the right, if Davies would go down. It has to be Upamecano on the... I'm not sure whether it'd be Upamecano or Delict on the left centre-back role, but one of them and the other on the other side. And then right back. I won't Kimmich, but I think it'll be Missouri. <laughs> oh, it, ahead of Pavard. So Masrawi ahead of yes. Pavard. So you would you would rather... So let's get this straight. So Masrawi and Kimmich before Pavard. Yes. Because wow. I think that Pavard actually... In hindsight, thinking about it, Pavard might be in front of Upamecano in my centre-back rankings. Upamecano was was really error-prone last season, and oh, yeah, he was very, very unconfident, very, very poor in some of his playing out from the back. So I think that, I hope he picks up, but I'm not sure he will. Yeah, I, he really needs a run of good performances and building that confidence. And I feel bad for him because he's a hard worker, but yeah, I think it was on full display. A lot of Bayern Munich fans saw some of his lapses in judgment, concentration, and he did make a lot of errors that resulted in bad situations for Bayern Munich. So I just got it like based off. It's funny because you said you still think that Pavard has a lot to offer, but based off of uh, some of your lineup answers, it seems like he'd be spending a lot of time on the bench, which, you know, if he were to listen to this and if we actually had any merit or value on what Bayern players actually do, he might be saying, huh, maybe I should go out the door. So, but you would, do you still want to keep him in the lineup or would you be okay with him leaving based off of the, you know, the trusted start back lines that you've just spouted off? I think it's dependent on price. Um, if we get 30, 40 million for provide, he can go. It's fine. 
But I think okay. that provides one. I'm, he may I'm... not be a starter. I think he is a great handyman. He's a utility man. He can play the right back role pretty well. He'll probably be our second choice right back after Masuari, as Kimmich will probably be in midfield. And he'll also probably be third or fourth centre back option. So I think that even though he's not a starter in any position, he can be a crucial squad player throughout the season and still be really important for us. I think Ian is probably going to love this episode and your uh, assertion that 40 million would be enough to see Pavard go. <laughs> he's going to love that because uh, I think a lot of listeners know he's not the biggest fan of uh, Benjamin Pavard's for uh, a number of reasons. But Farukas, I think we also have to add to what would Bayern Munich do if Pavard would leave as far as getting clips of worldy volley goals because he seems to be the only one who scores those for us and at least attempts them you know sometimes they don't uh do exactly what they did in the 2018 world cup against argentina but every now and then they do fly in it seems like he's good for like at least one or two of those uh each season but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that you know i think it's uh what is today july 11th of recording or 10th i think i think it's july 10th so we have well over a month until the transfer window closes there's a lot of different movements that can be made i don't know fergus are you a fan of having the transfer window open after the season start i know that this season it's going to be even more aggressive because everything's moved forward because of the world cup in qatar being in the winter yeah i'm not a big fan i think that the season should start after the transfer windows ended it brings too much uncertainty to clubs and it's it's, it must be really annoying for club bosses to not know their squads before the start of the season, to not know who will be leaving, who will be coming in before the start of the season. So I actually do think it, the, the window should close about the start of August, about the start of the season. It drives me crazy, too. And I know that most seasons start. So Bundesliga, August 6th, you could say for us, it's uh, the weekend before that with the AFL Super Cup. Yeah, I agree. I hate the fact, like, especially Lewandowski. Imagine if he's playing in the AFL Super Cup and then, like a few matches, like he'll be professional, but it's just, it's gotta be such an awkward thing to know that like one foot's already out the door and you know, like the ramifications are like, Oh, I guess it doesn't really matter if I have a bad game, not to say that any Byron players are like that and it would prevent them from putting in all the effort. But of course, you know, they don't want to get hurt affecting their standing with the buying club, et cetera, et cetera. I think Leroy Sané, that one season is a perfect example. Uh, yeah, it looks like. Yeah, I, I, I think that also onto that point, Lewandowski will be occupying that striker space, even if he doesn't go until right at the end of the transfer window. And this will mess with Julian Nagelsmann tactics, his system for the season and how he's going to integrate the new players into the club. So I also think the fact that if Lewandowski leaves very late on in the window, it really disrupts that, which is another reason why the window should close earlier. Oh, I agree. And I think that he'll be relaying that message to the front office and vice versa. And I think that they'll do their best to get a deal over the line to make sure that Nogsman has the players he's going to have for the season prior to the season starting. Um, and as you just mentioned, that would be very beneficial. And for fluidity reasons, for ebb and flow, continuity purposes, I feel like that's what the aim will be. There might be some things that are beyond their control, but obviously I hope that that's what's able to get done. And Fergus, I know this this might have been a little shorter, a little bit shorter of an episode than last week, but I think this is a good place to end. We spent a lot of time on Byron's backline. What could happen? Hopefully, we do get a delict deal over the line within the next couple of days or weeks, even. But you know, Fergus, unless you had any closing arguments, I think this is a good place to end. I want to thank everybody for listening. 
uh, let us know what you thought of this uh, first time of myself and Fergus uh, podcasting together. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you use to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bavarian Football Works. Fergus, do you have a Twitter? No, I don't. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Follow myself at, at Tommy Adams 71 if you really want to. Not much going on there. I'm always on the Bavarian FB Works. And until next time, Auf Wiedersehen.